gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey there, welcome to the Hall of Justice. This is episode 281. And we're going to be talking about a sitcom today. Yeah, we're going to do it. The feedback from the Seinfeld episode... That was way back in episode 263. Um, we got a lot of feedback on it. It was really fun to do. So recently there was a Fan Expo Philadelphia, formerly Wizard World. Last week we did the talk with uh, Jeff O'Halloran. Last week we did the talk with Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson from Clerks, right? And we said that was a lot of fun. But before I left... I had the extreme honor of doing an in-person interview with the lovely and talented Kate Flannery. She played Meredith on The Office. That's right, The Office. The Office is a show that is actually a, a remake of an older show uh, that was done in England. Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant did The British Office. It's not called that. It's just called The Office, but... Uh, if you've seen that show, um, you can see where the the idea of the mockumentary came, and then they decided to make an uh, Greg Daniels and 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 decided to make an American version, and the American version was super hot. Uh, the funny part about it is when we did the Seinfeld episode, it was the hot new show on Netflix. This is the top-rated streamer on Netflix. Netflix, which is seeing subscribers decrease, and maybe we need to do a little bit more of an investigation on what the future of Netflix is. That's not what this is. This is going to be a celebration of the show The Office. I love The Office. I The Office to me is such a it was a great show and it was probably one of the last great network sitcoms. Um, I just thought it was really sharp. It was really funny. You cared what happened to the characters. Uh, I didn't see it in the first season. I had to catch up. Uh, but thanks to streaming services, I did right away. Um, by the time I think it was season five, I was a full fledged fan. The show ran for nine seasons, and Meredith is 
one of the characters, she was in the background, but she had a lot of storylines. She was allergic to dairy. Uh, she could not eat her own ice cream uh, birthday cake. She has an alcohol issue. Um, she In one episode, she passes out with her head on the desk. Um, in another, after a party in the office, she's so drunk, she removes her shirt in front of Michael uh, after everyone left. Um, she lights her hair on fire. I mean, she had... A lot of uh, really wild things. She's uh, sexually promiscuous. Uh, she hints at kinky sexual interests. Um, and Kate Flannery is none of that. Well, at least I don't know if she's any of that. Kate Flannery is from Philadelphia. So she was going back home for this con. And it was very cool to talk to her. This is my conversation with Kate Flannery, who played Meredith on The Office. <laughs> First of all, it's so nice to meet you, and it's so nice to to uh, be doing podcasts face to face. I mean, for years, I just did them on Zoom. Like this is this is totally weird. I know. Now you got to brush your teeth and take a bath, right? <laughs> do people not do that when they come up to you? Uh, no, I mean when they're on Zoom. I mean, it's anybody's guess. No, no, but I'm in at Comic Cons. Like I would imagine, this is where all the germs came from before COVID. We can we can blame COVID on uh, I, no I don't think I don't I, I'm not blaming the cons I, but but yeah I, I yeah well there's a lot of bodies in us in this uh, in this big space I totally I totally get it I totally get it What's the reaction when you get to come out and meet people who are just diehard fans of The Office They, they we seem have some of the best fans in the world like people are so enamored and I feel like it's a culture now people say like I I watch you every night before I go to bed which normally would creep me out but it doesn't anymore I totally get it but also the fact that like they it's a comfort to them and and I feel like even more so since the pandemic started because they couldn't go to their real office so they came to ours so we sort of represented this normalcy on the screen and I felt like people could sort of visit I mean I think people do that with every TV show but if you're in, if you can't get to an environment that used to be in every day and you can watch it on TV, I think that's more part of the appeal as well. Well, I was amazed and I haven't looked at the Peacock numbers, but when when it was on Netflix and Netflix is paying millions upon millions for these fancy new shows and that's the highest rated yeah, show. What was that like that's a whole nother generation. Yeah. It's people are watching that show again and again. Yeah. It's not the same audience as the NBC audience. No, no, and I, I'll tell you. I mean, I get recognized. Uh, I, I mean, it's 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 amazing to me how uh, like the, the 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 span of the scope of the audience now. It's it's really wild. It, the idea, you know, when you were doing it, yes, you don't think, let's say, necessarily long term about legacies, right? And I just, I'm I'm dumbfounded by the idea that, you know, this is something that you've been able to be connected to for such a long time. When you're doing it, what's your thought process? Well, we had such a great time and we knew that the writing was so excellent. So it was just such a joy to be there all the time. And, you know, sometimes I didn't talk for days and I I never suffered. I feel like this was the show that like some actors count their lines. I never did on The Office because I felt like we were in it uh, you know, the first season they actually told us to bring real paperwork so that when the camera caught us, we weren't suddenly working. We were actually working. So it was like a, it was a, a groove that we'd get into. That's so interesting. Yeah. What, what did you bring? Did you bring like I checkbooks? And stuff yeah. and oh my God. And just like stuff I, 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 when I pull my hair out, I don't want to make time for. 
um, you know, I'd bring like I'd bring my filing, and then I'd have like my own little box, and then I'd put it, I'd take it home. So crazy. And then we did have fake paperwork. They actually had bought like some really old medical records. I don't think they could do that anymore, but back in uh, the early 2000s, that was okay. I don't know why. Yeah, it's so crazy. Sorry, it's okay. That's okay. No, it's all good. I'll take that out of the podcast. <laughs> um, you're also from Philadelphia. I am. And we're actually recording this in Philadelphia. You know, as everybody's getting a little bit older, I make a point to come, come home more often, you know. Well, it just I, seems like this is such a passionate place. It's such a, I mean, fa I used to work for the Phillies, and oh, yeah. it's it just, you know, Big the time. sports teams and the everything. Like, when you're from Philly, people use that as a badge of honor. <laughs> it's true. No, absolutely. No, it, I, I, I love Philadelphia. It was a great place to grow up. I actually went to college here as well. Um, you know, it's, uh, I just... I just feel like um, the people here, they can be crusty, but once you break through that crust, that you you are friends for life, for life. Loyal, loyal, loyal. What about the um, careers of all the other people on the office that you kept in touch with? People listening to this want to know, like, are you guys all still friends? You know, yeah, 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 I mean, there's some people I see, like I just talked to Angela yesterday, I saw, I saw Craig Robinson this week and Creed this week. Um, you know, I yeah, we're, we're we support each other, you know, we're in touch. It's fun, you know, it's, it's um, I mean, sometimes people get busy and, you, you know, we may have a few months where we don't talk, but, you know, it's nine years together, you really create a family, you know. What about the idea now that it just doesn't seem like a show could be a nine, have a nine year run anymore. Now it yeah. seems like everything is short series. That's that, that BBC model of, of having, you know, six highly produced episodes as opposed to 22 episodes. You know, I, I read an interview where uh, Adam Goldberg said, like, we could be the last one. Like, sure. it's the last sure. of those yes. types of shows. Yes. What about that idea that what you did, people today are not going to do again? Well, uh, I, I, I hope they do. I hope this is just a fan. Are you a fan of longer I'm seasons? Fan because, I, because as a fan of TV shows, like, I like to live in them for years. I mean, I like yeah. to, I look forward to them. And I think that's why, you know, some shows have had successful reboots. Some, some haven't. But I, I don't know what the science is to get it right. But, uh, but I do feel like people are, they are invested, you know. Well, I just get the sense that I, I, I think... Now creators are trying to only do two seasons, three seasons, and then move on to the next thing. You know, these shows get all the accolades, and it's it's just amazing. You know, Seinfeld's run and Friends's run and The Office and these shows, and it really was like this golden era of yes. that kind of TV. I know it's so true. I mean, I think we even did less episodes than they used to do, like in the '60s and '70s. So if you watch Bewitched, like I think they did like 50 episodes a year. Like it was nuts. Whereas I think. I think our highest season was like 29 or 30. Before we uh, wrap this up, you must be asked this 7,000 times. So like, I feel awkward asking it, but were you a fan of the British office? I was. That show is hysterical. Yes, um, but you know, I will say David Brent does not have as much heart as Michael Scott. So I understand why. Oh, you've answered this before. Yeah, well, well I, because I'm a fan, because I'm a fan of it. And I also feel like, you know, Steve figured out, even though he was, a, you know, Michael Scott's an idiot, but he, he does, it does come from some good place, so you do root for him. Whereas I feel like David Brent, you just want to get as far away. I mean, you, it's, it's fun to watch for a little bit, but I understand now why there's only 13 episodes of the British version, you know? It's like, oh, 
we're, we're good. Right, and you made and you made that that off. I'm always amazed when you see people doing things that either fit their personality, like you know John Krasinski, what 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 he's been able to do yeah. with the drama, you know Mindy Kaling doing that show that fits her personality. You you right. saw that coming. You could see that show coming. Some of these things fit completely. Right, right, right. Well, I think it's you know, luckily you know because of the office we get to. We get to do some things that we've always wanted to do because people are willing to watch us in something else, which is a, it's such a gift. Well, I appreciate your time. What's the what's the best thing about being at one of these Comic Con? Uh, you know, I I think the fan, I just connecting with the fans, and I think it's um, it's kind of like getting out of the bubble of L.A. or New York because you know those are those are bubbles. So it's, it's nice to see the real world. And it's great to be in Philadelphia because, you know, I grew up here. I actually took the train here from the, from the airport. That's <laughs> like, awesome. I know where I'm going. I'm like, they're like, oh, go to the hotel. I'm like, I don't need to go to the hotel. The, I, the train's right, right at the convention center, the Jefferson Station stuff. Like, don't bother me. I'll see you soon. I'll be there faster than you will, you know. <laughs> My favorite Philadelphia story is I joined Twitter, you know, when everybody did in the beginning, uh, 2010, 2011. But in 2011, I worked for the Phillies. And... People in Philadelphia assume that if you work with one of their teams, you have to like all of their teams. And I'm a big New Jersey Devils fan. And I didn't even say anything against the Flyers. I just said, you know, I'm glad the Devils beat the Flyers. And you're not one of us. You're a traitor. The vitriol. So I, I look both ways before I cross the street. Around. I understand. Well, now you know. Now you, now you know. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's deep and uh, it's you got to be all in, all in, right? All in, Steve. Well, I appreciate your time and thank, thank you, you so much for doing this. Thank you, thank you for your hall of justice. I don't know how just uh, justified I was, but here we are. <laughs> but we're in the hall. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Our thanks to uh, Jerry Milani and the folks at Fan Expo for setting us up with Miss Flannery. She was amazing, and it was such a pleasure to meet her. Such a pleasure to do a in-person interview. Loved every minute of it. The cast of The Office has gone through so many iterations. And to a man, and when I say to a man, to a person, they've all gone on to do such wonderful things. Steve Carell has been in movies. He's been excellent in dramas, comedies. John Krasinski has done The Quiet Place, uh, Jenna Fisher, B.J. Novak, Brian Baumgartner, um, Angela Kinsey, and uh, Jenna Fisher started their own podcast called Office Ladies. It's great. Mindy Kaling went on to have The Mindy Project. She's also been in movies. Craig Robinson, Hot Tub Time Machine. He's gone on to do many, many things. There's been so much success. Rain Wilson is somebody... We actually had on this podcast. You know, it was funny. When I was figuring out, you know, The Office and what is it about The Office that I love and I love all the actors and, and whatnot, Rain Wilson uh, is an actor. And what he has wound up doing is he's gotten some voice roles. You know, he was in The Meg, he was in Star Trek, he voiced Gargamel in the Smurfs movie, but he was Lex Luthor in the DC animated movie universe. And that includes the death of Superman, reign of the Superman, justice league, dark, uh, apocalypse war, which we've talked about on this podcast. And it turns out way back with them film reign of the Superman. 
we spoke to Rain Wilson. It was part of a press corps. The podcast was episode 118, which featured many cast members from Reign of the Superman. He went off on a bunch of tangents, and it was funny because they told us at Warner Brothers that we were supposed to stick to the Superman, Death of Superman, Reign of the Superman. That's what we could talk about. And so we stayed away from the office. He started talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's fascinating because if you come to this podcast for the superhero stuff, you don't want to be disappointed. And if the office is not your thing, we still take care of you. This is the interview from episode 118 of the podcast. We're talking, that's 163 episodes ago. And this is our conversation, a very short conversation with Rain Wilson. He's the only other person in the history of the Hall of Justice that was on the office that we had on this podcast. Rain, the uh, the death of Superman and Reign of the Superman is not your first uh, foray into voice acting. But as someone who's got a, a strong on-camera presence, how do you embrace the voice acting? Well, you know... Acting is acting, and whether you're on camera or it's just your voice, you've got to do all the same work. So you have to define the character. What do you have in common with the character? How, where does the character kind of live in your body? How do you live and breathe as the character? Think like the character. Um, I think a lot of people think, oh, voiceover acting is just like you just kind of phone it in or you put on a funny voice or something like that. But you have to do all the work, you know, it's just the camera's not ex recording your expressions while you're doing it, but uh, the microphone is recording. Um, in some ways it's even more specific because you've got to really focus on, on the character's voice and how he would say something and how, why he would put it that way. I would imagine though, seeing the finished product is a different experience. You know, when you see, you know, an episode of your, of the office or six feet under, you remember filming those scenes to see it all animated. And I saw the film, so I'm going to say this. It's gorgeous. I mean, that's one of the things that is the biggest takeaway from this. It must be a cool experience because it's just lines and then suddenly it becomes an animated presentation. Yeah, I mean, that's been, uh, that's, uh, it's been really fun to be a part of this series. I think DC does these animated worlds uh, really well. They've been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's for the true fans. Um, and, uh, in fact, I was thinking, I want to go back to the very beginning and watch the entire chain of DC animated, oh, wow. uh, uh, films. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, they do, they do a really good job and, and it's, it's great. Uh, you know, you remember struggling with a line in the booth and going right. back and forth with the director about it and trying to bring it to life and have fun with it and make it fun. And then, then you see it kind of woven into the story. It's pretty amazing with explosions and other characters. And um, cause I'm not working with other actors. I'm just kind of alone with a microphone. So right. it's really fun to see it kind of brought to life. Yeah. There's a, there's a, an episode we did of this podcast where we ranked, I think it was up when they were up to 30 films and we ranked them one to 30. And we, we, we made a point to say, you know, for DC, if you're talking about film number 26, it didn't suck. Like, like yeah. Yeah. it's like, it's like picking out, you know, Prince's greatest hits. Like it's, it's hard. And it, it's yeah. funny because it, it's funny because I asked James Tucker this. So I'll ask you, 
you know, after seeing these two together, do you feel like this is one story or is it literally two chapters in a book? Wow, that's a great question. Um, that's the best it's going to get here. God, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that. I think it's more like two chapters in a book. It doesn't really feel like one story. I know they're connected. And this, uh, I, I'm not a super comic book geek, so I didn't read the original Death of Superman in the 90s when that came out. I know it was really a revelation. People talk about the Death of Superman in hushed tones, you know, how amazing that was. It revitalized the whole franchise, and um, which is really awesome. And, you know, but that was a lot of different books. And, um, and uh, so they had to distill it down, you know, um, a, a great deal. But I would say it's different chapters, different, they, different, different chapters unfolding of the same storyline. So that might lead me into the to the next you know subject I wanted to ask you is had you read the books, but also when you found out you were doing the role, did is that part of the prep work to see the original work? Because if you remember in the book, and I'm saying this more to the listeners, it wasn't it, well, it was Lex Luthor, but he had red hair and a beard, and it was a very different Lex Luthor from the book. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I was like, there was so much to research. It was like, how am I going to do this? I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch 27 films. You know, I'm not going to go read the original graphic novels. Oh, God, and, you should have been subscribing um, to this podcast sooner. I know. That's what I should have done. I should have just listened to the podcast. Um, so for me, it was just kind of like, you know, I'm not going to listen to all these different voices. I mean, when you look on Wikipedia of like the number of people that have voiced Lex Luthor over the years, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. I just worked with Jason Isaacs on uh, the new Star Trek, and he's voiced Lex Luthor somewhere or other. I, I don't even know which one or how many he did. But um, so I wasn't going to take all that in. I just I just read the script, talked to the producers, talked to the director. What's the story you're trying to tell? Who is this version of Lex? Because um, there's a lot of different versions of him. You know, there's super villain Lex. There's right. Lex where he's more funny. There's Lex where he's more dastardly. There's Lex where he's working with Justice League in certain ways. He's friendly with Lois and this one. Um, so who's, what Lex are we talking about, essentially? Right. So that, that was interesting uh, digging into that. Right. We're not going to spoil anything. We are going to do a full spoiler-filled uh, review of this, but we're going to let the movie breathe a little bit before we do that. But there's a great moment right. Right where Lex Luthor's wearing the uh, where, where, where it looks like he's wearing his classic villain costume, where with the purple and the green pants, and you're like, and, and it's those homages. That's one thing that I noticed that they did. They did a lot for the casual fan, but the diehards get a lot of this too. No, absolutely. They, um, when you're doing a, something as simple as a voiceover session, like the directors and the producers are in there and you, you'll talk about a line and they'll be like, isn't that line too similar to, you know, the comic book called blah, 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 blah. And the, you know, the, the DC movie number 12 in which this happens. And they, they really take it very seriously. And those guys are uber geeks around the stuff and they do it for the fans and uh, they really want to make sure that that they get it right. Like this is, you know, this they're building a legacy, you know, of DC with these films. And uh, so it's 
it's an homage really to the to the DC fan and it's comic like, book fan. It's pretty wild, and I should note, and this is not a spoiler. Uh, it's one of the longer ones. I mean, the the average time, and we spoke to James Tucker about this. The average, uh, you know, DC animated film is about 70, 75 minutes, and this one comes in at eighty seven minutes. And you could tell it's packed. It's it it's packed with yep. packed with stuff. But you mentioned that you didn't do voices uh, with any of the people, so you never worked with Cameron Monaghan, who you have a lot of scenes with. Cameron Monaghan. Uh, plays Superboy, uh, or, or yeah, I mean, he calls himself Superman, but he plays Superboy in this. No, I didn't. You know, I think it's they. I think they. It's too hard to schedule like this, just from a practical standpoint. Like they're trying to schedule working actors, and they're trying to find you know three or four hours. Um, that has to be between you know ten and four p.m. Um, in Burbank. Like I'm out of town a lot. And um, I would love to record with actors more when I do, you know, voiceover movies and animated films and series like this. Um, I always think you get better stuff, but I think it's, I think it's just too hard to do. And especially this is a big cast too. I and mean, there's 15 leads in this thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty intense. It, 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 like I said, it's an intense uh, film. Um, do you, what about the legacy of the whole thing? Do you get caught up in that? Do you get caught up in, you know, you're talking about it's. It, you're not playing any old guy. Like you're Lex Luthor. Like, like there's a certain gravitas to that. D -d Does that is that a big deal to you? Yeah, it is a big deal to me. You know, I'm um, I'm not a huge comic book uh, guy. You know, I, I I read a lot of comics growing up as a kid, and as I got into a teenager, I turned more into science fiction and fantasy novels, right. and um, spent kind of the '80s and early nineties kind of reading those genre stuff. But, um, you know, I mean, Lex Luthor, he's, he's, I mean, if you're going to make the top 100 list of most memorable American characters, forget DC versus Marvel, forget, you know, comic book versus, you know, regular, like just the most like indelible characters of all time. He's in that list, you know, and Obviously, Gene Hackman uh, can can never be topped in my mind. Um, right. Uh, I think he's absolutely the greatest. He's effortlessly evil and charming at the same time in equal measure. Um, Otis so this Berg? Is like one of these dreams. What's that? When he goes, Otis Berg? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he uh, but this was a dream come true, man. I mean, to, to get to have a shot. Um, over a couple of films to put my voice on him. I'll be in the, you know, a uh, hundred years from now, they'll look and say, Oh, look at the, look who else played Lex Luthor. You know, um, I might be a little too old for a screen adaptation these days, you know, heading into my fifties here, but um, boy, I'd love a shot at playing him on camera sometime. Have they, uh, oh, that's but you know what? That John would be Cryer wild. Beat me to it. Yeah, he did. John yeah, Cryer John beat me to it on the TV show. That's right. Uh, John Cryer, right? <laughs> but uh, and I'll he's also what. a big fan of podcasting, so we can't hate on John Cryer that much. I'm not gonna. I, he knows I I love him and <laughs> I run into him every once in a while. I wish him the very best. He's the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. But they gave a him a beard. Actor. They gave him a beard. I I'm curious to see what he looks like. You know, they they showed that, fic yeah. that picture on uh, on Twitter, and he has a beard. I was like, I, I never seen Lex Luthor with a beard before. Yeah, that that was uh, that was that was pretty crazy. 
But I got a, I got, can I throw a hand grenade here into your podcast? Yeah, by, by all means. You know, I was doing some of these interviews and it kind of came to my mind. I know there's this whole, I kind of stay out of it, but I know there's this whole DC Marvel rivalry kind of stuff happening a lot. But uh-huh. uh, Lex Luthor is essentially Tony Stark, but In without essence. the Iron Man suit. Right. And what, you, what about a, a Marvel DC crossover movie hitting Lex Luthor versus Tony Stark? Who do you think would win? Uh, well, you know, it, it's, it's very funny because when we came up with the idea for this podcast, the one thing we said, the reason why we call it the Hall of Justice is you have to be old enough to know what the Hall of Justice was to know you're our demographic. And in the pitch, when we have pitched to sponsors, we say, this is not the podcast where we'll ever discuss Spider-Man versus the Hulk. <laughs> but <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is now the podcast where we'll discuss Lex Luthor versus uh, Tony Stark. It's interesting how you, okay. th- you, you think of Tony Stark because in reality, Lex Luthor is the villain and Tony Stark was portrayed as the villain in Civil War. Ah, yeah, yeah. So there's but more there's, parallels. There's more parallels to forget, th- th- than you think. Yeah, absolutely. And you take the title off, you know, of like, oh, are they a villain? Or are they a hero? Just take that aside. They're the smartest man on the planet. They know every kind of technology. Uh, technology is their is their super uh, power, and um, uh, they have incredible egos. Uh, and they're always kind of playing the camera, playing for the camera as well. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, there's some incredible parallels there. But I, I think that um, Lex Luthor would never make an Iron Man suit because he wouldn't want to get so sweaty inside inside the suit. It would well, kind of stink like B.O. And he, he would made, never want to be a part of that. He made that suit uh, when he fought Doomsday. Which was kind kind of well, a he did. yeah kind of an homage for the for the for the old fans of that. There was an action figure in like the eighties where he had a green suit like that. Yeah, Not yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure if you go back through through past iterations of Lex, he's he's flown around in suits before. But uh, anyway, and I thought <laughs> I'd right. throw that in there. I hope it. Uh, no, nope. keep going. What do you got hey, for me? Is that it's, it? a, it, it's all tangents. It's all tangents. I got one more for you. Uh, for the, for the listener to this, to this show. So if you're a subscriber to this show, you, you're a fan, you're like, you're a fan of the genre. The, my question to you is to the person who doesn't read, who hasn't read the books, but is intrigued, let's say, because Rain Wilson's in it or for Rebecca Romaine or whomever is in this movie, what makes this movie worth watching to that fan? You know, like just taking this movie, for instance. This movie really works as um, it's just a terrific story. I mean, Superman's dead and gone, and these different versions of Superman keep showing up with all these kind of different powers. They seem to kind of be Superman. They seem to be talking like him, but they're not quite him. And, you know, what the hell is going on? It's just a really interesting um, mythological big epic superhero story so i think it's just fun for the whole family like just bring the family over bring your date over pop in the blu-ray dvd and and watch the story you don't have to be a dc geek from the 70s to uh 
to appreciate the film. We're thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. So I just figure, you know, 160 some odd episodes uh, away from each other. Uh, not many people heard that it was never the title of the episode because the episode featured Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine and, and so many other. That's where we had uh, Cress Williams, who, uh, if you listen to that episode, he loved the fact that the podcast was called Hall of Justice. He was obsessed with the Super Friends. He's Black Lightning. He was also Steel in that movie. And uh, that was really, really cool. We just thought if, if you're going to do an episode on The Office and you had one person who was Dwight on The Office, you put him on the podcast. Um, and, we, and like I said, we love that show. Um, what they have all gone on to do. Uh, you just feel like you know them. And uh, it, it's great to see all their success, including Kate Flannery. She was wonderful. Uh, on the podcast and we didn't get saucy uh like Meredith but uh definitely we wanted to uh embrace just having her on the show uh still more to come on the hall of justice we do an ep- a new one of these every single thursday we got all kinds of special treats in the beginning of may we do have another episode before this but in the beginning of may we're going to review moon knight and doctor strange 2 got some marvel stuff uh coming up as well thanks for listening thanks for subscribing we'll see you next week on the hall of justice podcast